0: To Catholic Stuff You Should Know, the J10 Initiative.
1: And go. What?
0: There's no intro? There's no clicks on GarageBand.
1: Whoa! Hey, welcome to the podcast. It's Father Nathan.
0: We're switching computers, Father Michael.
1: If we sound a little different, it's because we are off our 2001 <laughs> <laughs> Gateway Tower. Um. And we have switched to our MacBook, Father Michael's MacBook. We're recording from beautiful Denver, Colorado.
0: And yeah, my MacBook is old-ish, too. but
1: Old-ish. Yeah,
0: this I, is poverty, Father Nathan. Yeah, I guess. We have old-ish computers and old-ish phones. <laughs> and now we're old. <laughs> and are still living very, very well.
1: That's right. Uh, we had a great time on Villa. Yeah, week. We just got back about what, a couple weeks ago. Yeah, sorry about uh, missing out last week. We're still in the process of uh, getting out of the Christmas malaise. Yeah, and um, and we're back recording. Michael, Father Michael, and Father John have departed from our brethren back to their stations in the Rare Books Room of <laughs> the Casa Santa Maria. Uh, so we'll look forward to hearing from them at some point. But we are going to be going for a long stretch.
0: They're in finals, right? Yeah, and they extended got extended finals. They got stuff to do, man. Are we sharing the news of what, what their plans are for their life? Or is that not a thing?
1: Uh, don't know.
0: <laughs> I guess we won't then. <laughs> I, I wouldn't. Not Nothing huge. It's just... Anyway, it was on my mind when we talked about the Glob back. Yeah. Yeah. No. yeah. They're, they're, they're still alive. So they're happy. They're in finals. We're in funerals and house blessings. Oh, man. You had, I heard you had a lot of funerals.
1: We had from Friday to Sunday, we had five deaths at St. Joan of Arc. Ooh. Um, so, uh, a lot of them very faithful, uh, wonderful parishioners. Um, so yeah, it's, it's the season. Yeah. Does that happen a lot? Like, have you noticed that, that, um, like when the seasons change or the holidays, people pass away a lot. Yeah.
0: I, I, not that I've noticed, but my parish is very odd. I mean, I have, I've have had one funeral in four years in oh, my wow. parish. Yeah. Just cause it's so small and with so young, but like, so I don't really notice that, but I do know that I usually have like three prisoners in the in the hospital at the same time. It's like nobody in there, or I'm kind of visiting three different hospitals, or ideally three different rooms at the same hospital. So, um, but yeah, not that I've noticed, but I imagine that that could happen as well, especially in the winter transition of seasons, transition of life. That's
1: what somebody told me who was a hospice worker. She said during the change of seasons and especially before the holidays or just after the holidays. People will either uh, uh, hold on through the holidays or want to go before the holidays yeah, so that's that their true. families can, you know. I can and, see that. Yeah. So, anyways, we're back. Yay. We're back. Today is uh, Monday. We, uh, we don't normally record on Mondays. I like to get out of the office um, and have an excuse to go somewhere else. Yeah. And um, But it was the day off, and last week I was in the throes of dealing with the aftermath of a sinus infection. Yeah. So everybody else was rocking it at breakfast on Broadway. Yeah. And I was rocking NyQuil until <laughs> 11.30 in the morning. Well, NyQuil,
0: you're having more fun than we were then.
1: Uh, I was having some crazy dreams. Really? I was having some NyQuil crazy dreams. I <laughs> will say, uh, if I can share on the podcast, because I don't think... I don't think we talked about this last time. Uh, I had a stretch of a few days where, like, normally my I don't remember my dreams. Yeah. Father Stephen Akers and Father John Nepple, they always remember yeah. their dreams. Um, I don't in particular, but mm-hmm. I had one that was so memorable, um, and it will probably stick with me for the rest of my life. Wow. And that was that was the one where I was in an amphitheater, okay. and I was at the bottom. And we were all walking out of the amphitheater. I was kind of on the stage. And then I looked up, and there was a mountain lion that was getting ready to pounce. And I told all the companions. And it was only the companions in the crowd. I was like, watch mm. out. And then they, like, turned around. And I was like, just walk towards me. And I raised my arms above my head, because that's what you're supposed to do with a mountain lion. Okay. Make yourself look <laughs> as tall as possible. And I spoke in a deep voice. And I was like, get out of here, mountain lion. And I threw pasta at it. Like I had this like what? dried pasta in your pocket. I had like a satchel, <laughs> a satchel. So, like, a okay. satchel. And I was like throwing it at the mountain lion, and um, and all of the companions were nervous, but they kept walking towards me until finally I saw that the mountain lion was going to go after the weakest companion, okay, namely Jason Wunsch, Father Jason Wunsch, <laughs> who uh, who was actually a uh, Smurf. Um, and as he goes to like, go towards me, I was like, Jason, look out. And I jumped and scissor kicked the mountain lion in the face. And, um, and then Jason was like, dude, you almost hit me in the face. And I said, look behind you. And the mountain lion sprawled out. And I, and the, and like, I I was like, I saved you, Jason. And then Jason's like, what? And he looks behind him and the mountain lion stands up and crosses his arms and just goes, just nodding his head like, yep, he saved you. And that was it. Wow. So we
0: went to the. Where does Joseph interpret dreams anymore? I made wish. Him? Oh man. There's <laughs> what prob- was the pasta. What was the satchel? What is the yeah? Some <laughs> what psycho, do these things symbolize?
1: Some psychotherapist right now who listens to the podcast <laughs> yeah. is like, this guy's gonna be a mass murderer. Um, so uh, but I told all of them the dream. And uh, um, so then we went to the we went to the avalanche game, the Colorado avalanche game. Uh, Father John and myself, and then uh, four other people, five other people. And uh, John was like, you should tell those guys the dream. So I told him the dream, and the people behind us started laughing. (laughs) And then eventually I made up a mountain lion dance. and the mountain lion dance made the avalanche break their 15 game losing streak oh my gosh
0: since i don't think i've laughed as hard since college i had a i had a friend similar to your personality in college that i would just die laughing i mean daily and and i don't think i've laughed that hard until the rockies game i went to you with something about you in sports games maybe it's the alcohol but probably yeah <laughs> and and like and like unsuspecting crowd members yeah right exactly people that are just kind of watching you more than they're watching the game and and you you started you started speaking in spanish at one point like yelling in spanish at the rockies and do you remember any of this you were wearing it you were wearing i think a rocky shirt and then at one point some girl was like insulting the Cardinals, so you literally ripped off the rocky shirt or something like that and you revealed the saint louis cardinal shirt underneath it yeah i don't remember it was pretty epic yeah
1: But yeah, yeah. anyways, um, so dream sequences fueled by NyQuil. Um, Somebody should start a podcast that's just people calling in and telling their NyQuil dreams. That'd be kind of cool. So um, yeah, today is kind of a weird day. Um, Today is the 22nd, right? Yeah. Of January. 23rd. 23rd. Yeah. Which is the Monday after the 22nd, and since... The 22nd fell on a Sunday. They moved it, transferred it to Monday. So today is the remembrance of Roe v. Wade ah. in, the, in the church in the United okay. States. So um, Father Jason and I were eating breakfast burritos this morning, and after we finished, he goes, by the way, isn't today a day of past fasting and oh. abstinence? <laughs> and I'm like... <sighs> I don't remember. Oh, okay. um, so I, I don't think it was fasting. I think it was just a day of penance. Okay. Um, so the weird thing is the church uh, has two options for um, masses today one is for the celebration of human life okay. um, and thanksgiving to God for human life, and the other one is the preservation of peace and justice. Okay. Um, I find both of those um, rather muted considering the seriousness of the of the event but you know the mm. bishops always know better than i do i'm not trying to say that they're wrong um but being a pastor and having pastoral privilege yeah in my chapel uh, at the wayne manor we celebrated uh mass for people afflicted by war or civil disturbance mm. um and it was really beautiful because we did the readings of the day, and the readings of the day were for um, uh, from the, the letter to the Hebrews, and, and then the the gospel was from, uh, they accused Jesus of casting out demons by the power of Beelzebub, mm. And that's where he says, a house divided against itself cannot stand. Amen. Which is the same uh, line that is quoted by, well, Abraham Lincoln quotes Jesus, Um in his address against slavery right right and i think that uh just looking at the effects of abortion and the effects of of roe v wade on our country i think it just for for us today like to to meditate upon um what are we supposed to do like what exactly what exactly does this day mean and how ought we to uh move forward from that yeah so i just have a few thoughts would like to hear you know what awesome. you're what you're thinking so you did switch the topic you told me you're doing something completely different i know well then i was going to do one on saints and i'll probably do that for our. That, that's kind of what i'm doing well i know i switched it oh. because you're doing oh this. i see okay nice, um nice. father michael's going to do one on the saints and i just didn't want it to become you know like um you know saint podcast yeah, so. especially for two weeks in a row yeah, this yeah. will be two weeks in a row, so then it'll actually be two weeks in a row because you'll do one on saints, and then I'll do a third one on saints. But okay. uh, that's all fun. You Amen. Know? Um, but a- it was after after you had texted me, then we went into Mass, and I then see. that's where it really nice. Nice. affected me. Um, so a house divided against itself cannot stand. Um, you know, We're living in the aftermath of the effect of, of Roe v. Wade, but we're also living in a culture in which there are rampant divisions mm. among the people. Yeah. I mean, just this past week we had all of the people protesting, uh, the inauguration for Trump and, right. uh, marching through the streets. And, um, you look at the popular vote for Clinton and Trump yeah. uh, and it's divided, you know, yeah. I mean, almost 50, 50. And you look, you look back, you know, years before that to Bush Gore and it was, it was dead on 50, 50. Uh-huh. Wow. Um, and then you look at the states, you know, just how one person wins a state, and it's not like overwhelmingly right. um, in one direction or another.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, so we have very different ideas on politics, um, but even societally, um, I think we're gravitating in, in a number of different directions. Mm. Um, what really unites us as Americans, but what more so unites us as Catholics, I mean, even the... Polls have shown that um, Catholics divorce at the same rate, yep. commit crimes in the same rate, yep. um, even like support uh, things like abortion or gay marriage in the same, you know, at the same rate. Yeah. Um, so what exactly are we to do in in light of this? Um, the uh, yeah, I don't I don't really understand what uh, changed in America. Uh, to kind of lend it to such polarization. Right. You look back, you know, years, years before, and we, you know, fought the Civil War, there were certainly people that, you know, were pro-slavery and certain people that were anti-slavery, but I don't know what the, what the numbers were. Eventually, there was a huge upheaval in the form of the war um, that was fought in part because of uh, slavery. So... We are sort of beyond that, um, and now we fall into kind of social discourse, and it doesn't really seem like anybody's listening to one another. Yeah. Or that there's even figures that can lead us. Even the bishops, in part, like aren't necessarily on the same page when it comes to uh, how to reform the nation after, uh, after so much division.
0: Right. Thoughts? Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean it, it's it's true and I, I think the the devil's in that and I think that's why mm-hmm. it's kind of so predictable. I mean yeah. I, I it'd be interesting to see other countries. You know, we we American Catholics tend to think that we are kind of the yeah. church, but it'd be interesting to see other countries and how that works out politically or within the life of the church, and even to say you never want to split the church up into one or the other, right, left, conservative, liberal, whatever. I mean it's one church, but like if you if you could say how many American Catholics. I just looked it up. There are six sixty nine point five million American Catholics. Wow. That's twenty two percent of the population, and that's what I was thinking. Like a house divided, even if if we, like we didn't have. I think everybody can be pretty much understanding of this. We didn't have a candidate in this last presidential election that Catholics could really get behind, you know, we didn't. And so, but it'd be interesting with 22% of the population, if we Catholics were united on the moral issues that happen to be political as well, you know, these are moral issues, but they happen to be political as well. If we were united in those, would it be, would the political system in the U.S. have to adapt a little bit to that voting block? and say we do need to produce someone based on 22% of the population on that voting block that is going to be more Catholic in their understanding. So anyway, I I do think the devil is is in the details, and the devil is in the fact that that we are so divided. Obviously, that's what he does. He is the divider. Christ is the uniter. Um, But... The response of the church, I think, it is a more of a societal one. The bishops are divided, and that certainly uh, delegitimizes them in the minds of the people. You know, if if you have bishops fighting against each other, and I have, I can say, well, of course, I'm just going to do. I, I I like doing something, and if I can justify it by say at least one group of bishops agree with me on this, then I can justify it till the day I die. And that's I think where the division is. There's no sense of we we've lost a sense as as a as a western culture we've lost a sense of of obedience of the fact that what i want may not be right what i feel may not be right it, it's an individualism too i think that's, that we have a tendency to do in western culture to say that you know if there is no I'm, I'm i don't want to go off on a on a trail here on the side but if there is no objective truth then I can do whatever I want and I'm going to find people that agree with me on that. And so the, the division is going to happen naturally if everybody can find their own truth without any social obedience to some objective leadership and objective teaching. And I think that's what we as the church need to lead in unity through obedience to the truth as discerned, by our hierarchy as coming from God himself and the Holy Spirit. Yeah. So I, again, you're right, we're no better than anybody else in the Catholic Church. We're not. We're, we we have the same division, but I think that that's where we start. We start by saying, what is obedience? What is truth? And making sure that our our we priests and our bishops are actually working on discerning that rather than conforming to some sort of movement within society and trying to adapt to the way that the rest of society, which seems to be going, which is where the devil has a much greater grasp than he does in our own Mm -hmm. protected walls within the mysteries, et cetera.
1: Well, I like, there's a, there's a bumper sticker that, I mean, we've talked about this, I think before, um, but, uh, I've seen it put out through, uh, the USCCB or maybe it's Catholic charities or something. But if you want peace, work for justice. Yeah. You know, and, um, uh, that's part of the reason why the bishops chose the preservation of peace and justice, yeah. um, as the mass to be celebrated. What, what I would like to just reflect on today as one alternative, um, is the question of social ecology. Um, Many of you have heard about, you know, human ecology or socio through Laudato Si and the Care for Our Common Home, uh, the encyclical that was first, that was the first encyclical put out by uh, Pope Francis. Pope Francis is drawing upon a theme uh, that predates him and uh, goes all the way back, maybe even before, but is brought up in particular from John Paul II in um, Centissimus Annus, so um, 100 years after Rerum Navarum, which is a major social encyclical, um, he writes another encyclical just describing the social uh, question of the impact on the gospel on our world mm. um, and our human relations. And human ecology is um, just a fascinating subject. So I'm going to read just briefly from uh, his uh, his encyclical. Bear with me. Uh, this is uh, Centissimus anus number 37 equally worrying is the ecological question which accompanies the problem of consumerism which is closely connected to it in his desire to have and to enjoy rather than to be and to grow man consumes the resources of the earth and in his own life in an excessive and disordered way at the root of the senseless destruction of the natural environment lies an anthropological error which unfortunately is widespread in our day man who discovers his capacity to transform and in a certain sense create the world through his work, forgets that this is always based on God's prior and original gift of the things that are. Man thinks that he can make arbitrary use of the earth, subjecting it without restraint to his will, as though it did not have its own requisites and a prior God-given purpose, which man can indeed develop but must not betray. Instead of carrying out his role as a cooperator with God in the work of creation, man sets himself up, in place of God, and thus ends up provoking a rebellion on the part of nature, which is more tyrannized than governed by Him. In all this, one notes first the poverty or narrowness of man's outlook, motivated as he is by desire to possess things rather than to relate them to the truth, and lacking that disinterested, unselfish, and aesthetic attitude that is born. In wonder, of the, in the presence of being and of the beauty which enables one to see invisible things, the message of the invisible God who created them, in this regard, humanity today must be conscious of its duties and obligations toward future generations. Finally, in addition to the irrational destruction of the natural environment, we must also mention the more serious destruction of the human environment, something which is by no means receiving the attention it deserves. Although people are rightly worried, though much less than they should be, about preserving the natural habitats of the various animal species threatened with extinction, because they realize that each of these species makes its particular contribution to the balance of nature in general, too little effort is made to safeguard the moral conditions for an authentic human ecology. Not only has God given the earth to man, who must use it with respect for the original good purpose for which it was given to him, but man too is God's gift to man. He must therefore respect the natural and moral structure with which he has been endowed. In this context, mention should be made for the serious problems of modern urbanization, of the need for urban planning, which is concerned with how people are to live, and of the attention which was given to a social ecology of work. Man receives from God his essential dignity, and with it the capacity to transcend every social order as to move towards truth and goodness, but he's also conditioned by the social structure in which he lives, these elements can either help or hinder his living in accord with the truth. The decisions which create a human environment can give rise to specific structures of sin, which impede the full realization of those who are in any way oppressed by them. To destroy such structures and replace them with more authentic forms of living and community is a task which demands courage and patience, etc., etc. Um, that's a it's a wonderful passage. I, I apologize for. Uh, you know, belaboring the point, um, but I think that the the part that bears our meditation is our desire, uh, f- our disordered desire for things, and our dis- disordered desire for possession um, has led to an abuse of the environment. I think he's kind of right. acknowledging that. But the ultimate environment, the ultimate uh, sin, is the transgression against neighbor. Yeah. Um, and the ways in which our sinfulness or our selfishness actually uh, denigrate the essential dignity that every person has. yeah so when we look at when we look at something like abortion, we should see it as a kind of pollution, you know, a kind of uh moral pollution, yeah um, we look at kind of toxic waste and, I don't know, like uh rampant deforestation or something with the eyes of captain planet and, and see kind of the horror with which this is abusing our mother earth. Um, but the ultimate, uh, sacrilege is, or abuse, um, is the destruction of human persons. Yeah. They are the, the most beautiful, um, I don't know, environment in which we live and move and have our being. Um, one can live in a concrete structure, an apartment building, and still see uh, a beauty that transcends uh, the virginal landscape of, I don't know, yeah. the Andes Mountains or something like that. But perhaps that's more overlooked because I, I certainly don't want these other places uh, to be lost forever. Right. But I also shouldn't want my fellow man to be lost forever. Right.
0: You know, and that's a really good point because I think that's where that was one thing that was on my mind, and while I was rambling earlier, I, I forgot to say it. But there's the, the, there's the reality of of if we are divided and we desire unity, of course we do. There there's something about convincing others through discussion, through argument, through 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 good debate that that we are on the same side. Like when I'm doing, when you can see in the church a marriage falling apart. The one thing I began to see as someone, as a pastor, as a shepherd, who's trying to, you know, r- r- bring back the unity, the awareness of the unity of this couple, it's like I just want to say, do you understand? You're on the same side. Like you're on yeah. the same team. You 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 you've forgotten that. Now you you want to win. You want to beat the other. You want you want to. Hurt. I, I know this myself. Even without being married, you know, when we're in an argument, we want to win. And that there's something about if we could convince. You know the people that seem to be on the other side of a debate that we are on the same side. We desire human flourishing. We desire the 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 good of the environment. We desire, you know, humans to be able to be truly happy, to be truly free, etc. We are we when we have a debate, do we understand that that is the point of our argument? That we are trying to convince the other that that you might be wrong, you might be off a little bit, you might be just slightly to the left or slightly to the right of of what is truly helping. Human flourishing in this world and the protection of the environment. I like I see now what, with certain groups of friends that I have. It's kind of like, do you want to have children or do you want to have pets? Right. You can have you can have one or the other. Right. And so it's like, yeah. You know, I know that's a whole different no topic. No comment.
1: No <laughs> comment. It's a
0: little too close to home. Right. 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 But, but yeah, yeah, it does. But but there, there's something about like the fact that you kind of like like. like Bam. Hello, Loon. You either have science or religion, right? No. The unity is that you can have both. I believe that truth is Jesus Christ. So the truth of science is the revelation of Jesus Christ. The truth of religion is the revelation of Jesus Christ. It's one. that the, the two do not contradict each other. The same thing with, like, when, when see people seem to be pitting against each other. Do you believe in, like, the protection of the environment or in human flourishing through using fossil fuels? You know, it's right. like, right, th- th- those things are, are posed in our political climate to be yep. contradictory. And that they, they are fighting against... Against each other, but if you have people that are fighting for human well being by creating jobs through maintaining fossil fuel research, etc., and those whose lives depend upon fossil fuels, and if you can convince the people that are also desiring renewable energy, and, and, and the, the, the you know, like very explicit protection of the environment, Do would you say that you guys are on the same side? What are you fighting for? What are you arguing for? And I think there is something within that debate, and that's just the one that came to mind, but every debate to say, can I walk to someone if you have two competing protests and you say, we both, I guarantee you, are fighting for the same things. We're fighting for happiness. We're fighting for peace. We're fighting for, for the good. Of course, the devil's not. So the devil's always, you know, kind of immersing himself in both sides. But there's something about that unity. And I, I see that now, like in, in, my, in my life, when I have friends that are on the completely different political and moral spectrum than I am. But the beautiful thing is that there is, if you fight for it and if you work for it within those personal relationships, there is an understanding of like we do love each other. You know, we, mm-hmm. we, these are two human beings. Um, Leah Labresco, shout out. She came and did a, 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 a theology on tap here. Um, she was an atheist. She converted to Catholicism. Now Ooh. she blogs um, for the Catholics. Leah Labresco is her name. You should look it up. Her book is called... Um, Arriving at Amen, and it's her, her circumversion story. I haven't read the book yet, but I heard her talk. And um, she, she talks about she was raised completely secular. And so when she first started got into college and didn't know anybody who was authentically religious at all, when she got into college, she actually met her first Christians who were not crazy. And she said growing up, religion, and especially Christianity, was just laughable. It, it was didn't even deserve any sort of energy any sort of thought like it's just laughable and then the first time she met Christians who were not laughable who who believe things that were not that was the beginning of her conversion was kind of saying you know understanding that there's something beyond the five senses believing in the transcendent believing that we were created and loved by a personal god that was something deeper that that she said when I was an atheist and fighting for debate and philosophy and, and understanding um, what, what moral goodness is like, that's also what Christians do, you know, but sometimes we forget that we are all fighting for the same thing and defining what that is. And it's not just hippie and hokey saying, Oh, let's, let's talk about the positives or let's talk about how we're alike first. If we talk about how we're different, you know, that's good because of psychology. What I'm talking about is, is the unity of purpose. We are striving for the same goods. If we can identify what those goods are, Then we can probably start moving towards the unity of saying, even if we disagree, at least we understand we have the same goal, even if we disagree about how to get there. But if we define what that goal is, we might actually have the unity of purpose, whether it's a moral reality, a political reality, a sociological reality, whatever. Does that make sense? I
1: think it's disappointing, though, that that so many people are on the side of, yeah, it's good to recycle. It's good to eat organic food. It's good to... Uh, eliminate nuclear warfare or chemical warfare or something, but something as insidious and as destructive as the Holocaust of so many— I mean, um, genocide—I mean, genocide's too strong of a word, but, like, um, the systematic destruction, killing of so many children and to just pass by it, you know, as not, like— like our environment our human environment in which we live is living next to this nuclear waste facility and that's not going to have an effect on our children right that's not going to have an effect on future generations i mean it is right. we don't have future generations because we've we've killed them off yeah. um so um i think part of it just to your point is is actually convincing one another this is not this is actually this discussion on this isn't simply to eliminate, um, uh, some kind of I don't know, I don't like this, and we should all like agree that we don't like this and we should get it out of here. It's that, um, in slavery, we realized that human persons were at stake and that was the highest good, right? You know, um. Why, yeah. do, why do why do does anybody go to war? I hope yeah. it's in some sense for the for the love of human persons, right? Um, and for the greater flourishing, not of nations but of persons. Um, I've asked um, people who have stormed the beaches of Normandy, given what they've seen in society these days uh, and how far we've fallen from from grace, would they still you know go on D Day? And they're yeah. like, absolutely, yeah. you know. Why? Because they want they want to see the the preservation of peace and justice, and peace and justice is enjoyed by persons, yeah. not by um, I don't know foxes and bald eagles or something yeah. like that. They're an effect of our communion, um, and it, the more the less we are in communion, the more those other lives are at stake. But we're talking about human innocent lives, and we just pass by.
0: Yeah. So I, I think if you asked. If there was a debate about someone who was quote pro life and someone who was quote pro quote, choice, like where define mm-hmm. define how we're both on the same team, define how we're both wanting the same thing, they might say compassion. I mean, there's the the uh, sure. I'm on the pro life side, of course. So I'm 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 saying, well, it's much deeper than compassion. But I'm sure you know pro choice people won't be saying the same thing. But there's you know from from some of the pro choice people I'm talking to, they are saying you you have to have abortion. They don't they don't necessarily want abortion, but at this time they and age, we need to have abortion because it's the compassionate thing right, to offer right. to people that are in unplanned pregnancies, rape, incest, etc. That's the compassionate thing to do. But that's how I see it as a pro-life person who's going to fight for that. Is I see it like slavery. It's kind of an overused example, but there is something about where we say we we. we human beings white human beings had to be convinced that these were human beings with as much dignity as they had in order to actually start changing the mindsets yeah. you know that's why we pro life people fight for ultrasounds like you know you you can see you realize it's a different dna at the moment of conception the dna that the child has is different than the dna of the mother at the moment of conception so like we saying that that's another separate human being yes the mother is given the the Really, I mean, the responsibility to to raise that child within her, but but there's but there's a reality there that you're saying I can understand how the pro-choice person says, how do we compassionate, how do we be compassionate to that rape victim, that incest victim, that that victim who, whose life is radically changed because she's pregnant? How do we be compassionate to her? Well. You know, again, the debate's gone on. Is, is it? If is it okay to take a human life to be compassionate to somebody else? You know, these are the things. But I do think it'd be important. And I don't see this nowadays with 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 the rhetoric I see, on, especially on social media, which you've escaped from. You know, thank God, I imagine. But the rhetoric I see on social media is about winning. It's not about saying. You know we're we're fighting for the same thing now. Let's debate how yes. we disagree on how to get to that point. It's literally I want to win. When when I won't even say what it was. When Trump said that horrible thing about women and what he can do to them because he's famous, and then I see all these signs at the women's march of women saying that pretty much they just want to do it back. I'm like this isn't about. Understanding. This is about him saying something idiotic, stupid, and offensive, and you're saying something idiotic, stupid, offensive back at him and back at anybody who supports him. Like, that's certainly not a desire for unity. That's a desire to win and have my side beat you. Again, people on both sides are using that rhetoric of winning. It's not about winning. It's about saying, how do we convince the other that the methodology, the process that I believe is the correct one or the right one moving towards this end is the right one to get to that end, to get to that uh, that goal. We agree that the goal is the same. We agree that the end is the same. Our only debate is how to get there. And I think that's where... The discussion of unity, and that's where the discussion, especially of human dignity, when it comes from conception on, the mm-hmm. evil of abortion, mm-hmm. um, that's where that debate can begin to actually bear some fruit with every human being, not just one side trying to win over the other.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, today I'm not I'm not dep- I'm not depressed, um, but anytime, anytime I'm brought to like see that this is still kind of Part of the fabric of our society. Yeah. Um, I I spend most of my life not even considering it. Yeah. Um, and then when when a day like this, like a anniversary or something comes around, and I have to meditate upon it, it's like, what am I doing? Yeah. You know. Um, so just my my suggestion would be, you know, make make a meditation on the effect of of sin on the church, on the world. Um, My sin, my personal sin, the ways in which I am polluting my own environment, and my own relationships, my own community with sin, the ways in which I've grown to accept certain sins um, in my own self um, and possibly in others, the ways in which kind of uh, larger sins, whatever they may be, um, the effect that they have, and then the way in which Christ um, reconciles all things, you know, to God, um, sin is uh, the means by which we achieve a reconciliation. In a way, I mean, you can't be reconciled if you don't have sin. Yeah. I mean, if you don't even acknowledge your sin, you can't you can't go to confession. In a way. Yeah. Um, but once there is a confession of sin, then there can be something more. Yeah. Um. And, and then pray, pray for the preservation of, of peace and justice that the more our society works towards a communion um, of rendering to another what is their due, and the ultimate rendering of another what is their due is the fact that they exist. Right. If they don't exist anymore—I mean, granted, every soul exists somewhere, mm-hmm. um, whether in this world or in the next— um, allowing them to come into the world, that's the first point of contact. Yeah. Um, and if those persons are no longer there, then they're somewhere. You know? So how can we pray for them and ask them to pray for us? Um, and then finally, uh, do something. Do something for the pro-life movement. Yeah. Uh, sometimes I get annoyed with the pro-lifers because uh, they can be very one-dimensional. Yeah. Um, they are incredibly good people. And I, I wish that I had the same zeal and uh, compassion and even uh, just steadfastness to do what they do. Yeah. Um, and so whether it's contributing, whether it's going to an abortion clinic and praying, whether it's, um, you know, visiting uh, Gabriel House, that's what we have in an archdiocese, or some other way in which um, the uh, that people are ministered to, mm-hmm. you know, like you said, ultrasounds or... Yeah. You know, delivering diapers or something Rachel's like that. Rachel's Vineyard helps
0: counsel women who have yeah. Had abortions. Yeah. yeah.
1: Like find some way to support them. Yeah. Um, I don't want it to seem like I'm annoyed with them because uh, I think they're bad people. Uh, sometimes it's just like, I don't care about this as much as they
0: do. And that frustrates me because yeah. uh, I'm in the wrong. Yeah. You know, I also think there's something with, 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 with and I feel you too. There, there's frustrations mm-hmm. with, with the obviously the other side with the with the pro-choice people and there's a frustration with some of our own people who we feel are not being effective for the cause because of certain idiosyncrasies or because of the way they're going about things. I, I do think that there is a tendency in our humanity and I see this again on social media of, of when I have a position I can and I have someone that has the opposite position. I'm looking at a small percentage of people in that hold that position that are kind of the crazy ones. You know, I'm looking at a small percentage and I'm reacting to that small percentage of kind of over the top, least common denominator person that is on the other side. and I, I'm I'm overreacting because I'm focusing on that, and there's usually a smaller percentage than the people who are not. I don't know, I'm using the word crazy, that's not the right word here, but there's something about them that kind of, their idiosyncrasies bring them outside of the norm of that position. And I'm focusing on those people and I'm reacting negatively and more. I'm be, more becoming more sinfully frustrated because I'm focusing on that. And the same thing on my position. I'm getting frustrated by a smaller percentage of people who are kind of the, the least common denominator, therefore I'm giving them the most attention, et cetera, that hold my general position but are acting out of a different way. Um, also though, Father... Going back to sin, um, I I think it is important when considering our own sin is to um, understand, especially when it comes to to issues like issues like abortion. Um, if we are truly going to understand what compassion is for those who are suffering with an unplanned pregnancy that's going to radically change their life, rape, incest, whatever it might be, going to kind of the extremes, um, to to, to settle it in our heart and find conviction. Um, If we're going to do that, I think it is important to be able to not only understand our own sin and confess our own sin, but to really strive to understand sacrifice. Mm. Because if I can say you know, I'm going to talk about in my podcast kind of the difference between sacrifice that I choose and sacrifice that has been handed to me like the cross that Christ gave me. If I can be, if I can receive my cross well, whatever that is, whatever daily sacrifices I have in my life that are not Nothing I chose, it's just the reality I live in. Therefore, I say it's kind of given to me by God. Those crosses, if I can learn to truly sacrifice well in a Christ-like way, participating in Christ's own sacrifice, that sacrifice and be joyful, like go beneath the sacrifice of the fact that I'm a beloved child of God. I am I am able to participate in his very life in the sacraments. I'm able to read his word and perceive him in the world through the revelation. I, I am bound, ideally, if I continue to participate that to eternally, life, paradise, in eternity with God, like those things should bring me joy no matter how much sacrifice I have in my life. And if I'm able to tap into that joy even in the midst of the sacrifice, then I will be much better able to have the personal ministry to those who I'm asking to sacrifice because they've been put in a situation, whether by their own fault or the fault of another, that means they're going to have to sacrifice. If I can show by my own life that, that that sacrifice can be done joyfully and willingly, I think we have a much better place within the pro-life movement to say human life involves sacrifice. It also involves responsibility. But if I can take on that sacrifice willingly and joyfully then I can be a witness and a light to those who are being called to sacrifice and are afraid of the sacrifice. That's what most of us are. A sacrifice, our cross is presented to us and we're afraid of it. We fear it. And if someone comes along and says, hey, here's an out. You, you don't need to carry this cross. You don't need to have the sacrifice. Then they're going to look at the cross and they're going to fear it. I fear it. Every human being fears it. But they're also going to look at the example of good men and women who are sacrificing and are sacrificing joyfully. And when they see that joy and they say, I could sacrifice but still be joyful or I could have this out. And, and it seems I would be joyful too. At least the decision to do something that's going to be harmful to themselves or others will take longer to make will involve more more time and consideration and the holy spirit will be, of course be working in that as well because that's what he does so we need we christians need to be witnesses to sacrificial joy to true sacrificial joy and i think that's one of the greatest things we can do to fight for the pro-life cause in addition to everything else you mentioned
1: sure why not all right we gotta wrap this up shout outs shout outs shout outs um. Alright, quick one uh, To all the priests of the podcast Here is a token of my appreciation For all that you've done for the Catholic community And especially for me I wasn't always Catholic or even Christian But a little over two years ago I decided to recommit to the Catholic Church. One of my friends introduced me to Catholic stuff, and I finished about 200 episodes in three weeks. Wow. I continue to be a loyal listener to this day. You guys are truly inspiring. Aaron Qui, who sent us the bottle of scotch Japanese whiskey, I guess. Hibiki. It's not scotch. It's Japanese whiskey that we are drinking. Yes. Hibiki. Thank you, um, And a great wall rosary Thanks, that sir. will hang in our studio whenever we eventually get one.
0: Yes, amen. And speaking of that, uh, shout out to... Jamie Miller who won the Facebook contest oh, nice. about doing the greatest caption so I posted on since we didn't have a, a show last week I posted a picture of V throwing the cross into the water for oh, Theophany nice. since it was Theophany and there was three of my parishioners took a picture almost at the same moment and I did like a caption or meme contest and I in my opinion Jamie won I still need to check the numbers but uh, she said the caption was just wait till you see him chuck a baby during baptism <laughs> So I was chucking across into the water in the picture and she said that. So I, I, I laughed out loud when I read that. So congratulations to you and thank you uh, to whoever gave us the mugs. We, we don't have a name for it.
1: No, she only sent you one. It's right there.
0: Oh, well, this, it just says from Kentucky. Anyway, whoever sent me the mug that says priest only because a full-time super skilled ninja is not an actual job title. Shout out to you. D- was there a letter? I didn't even see. No, I don't think so. Shout out to whoever did that. She didn't that. send me
1: one. Uh, <laughs> somebody else. <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right. Okay. Something else. Something you, okay. Love y'all. Catholic Catholics. stuff. That's right. Podcast at gmail.com. Like us on Facebook. Give us a uh, recommendation on iTunes, etc. All right. Thanks all. Love you. Okay. See you later. Bye. Bye.